the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to the Heart of Messiah radio broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Sharesh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently we are serving in Wesley Chapel in Tampa and Brandon in our newest location in St. Pete along with Conexion, our Spanish-speaking congregation. We're honored to serve the listening audience of Tampa Bay's Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910 WTBN. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King. Lord, we are dedicated to you. For Yeshua is the light of the world. And we want to reflect his light to the world, Lord. We want to go to the nations and share the good news that Messiah has come. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us this day. I pray, Lord, that you would give us strength this day and everything that we need so we can truly be your disciples. We bless you and thank you. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. Well, this evening, first night of Hanukkah. So you're going to light the candle? (laughs) Hey, if you send for my Haggadah, even tomorrow, you'll still be able to light maybe five candles with the Haggadah. And you can read about... um, Hanukkah, you can say the blessings you uh, that we use when lighting the candles, and each day has something to talk about. In fact, it'd be great if you invited people, especially Jewish friends, to share uh, with this occasion. And so, uh, why don't you call us or email me um, today? And we'll send it out tomorrow. These Haggadahs, one for each person that you'd like to. Uh, share it with so uh, we are happy to send out five or ten call us at 813-831-5673 or you can email me at rabbi at heartofmessiah.org and of course um, I mentioned last time that they're three dollars each but if you can't afford three dollars we'll be happy to send them out to you free We also would pray that you will consider, as our listeners, uh, especially at the end of the year here, to develop a financial partnership with us with an end-of-the-year gift. That would be tremendous. Help keep us on the air. I'd really appreciate that. Um, 
Look, it, it, it helps us reach out to the community and um, what a blessing that would be. So uh, let's review a little of Hanukkah from last week, and then we will go into uh, a teaching that I think is fairly difficult, uh, which will lead us into more difficult teachings over the coming weeks. This one is What Defiles Our Temple. But before we figure out what defiles our temple, let's review the, the five major themes of Hanukkah are we are we were delivered we are cleansing ourselves like the temple was cleansed we are willing to dedicate our lives to God we become servants of God and we are asking Lord to make us a light as he is a light uh, we are to be a light So a quick overview of Hanukkah once again. It was a fight against spiritual and cultural assimilation. Our people fought for freedom to worship God. Um, Approximately 325 years before Yeshua, Alexander the Great conquered Syria, Egypt, and Israel, but allowed the lands under his control to observe uh, their own religions. Everything was going so good that many Jews even decided to assimilate into the Hellenistic culture and adopted the language, the customs, the dress of the Greeks. Does that sound familiar? Like we've done that today, haven't we, into the United States? But Antiochus IV came into control, and so things changed. He began again to oppress the Jews. Does that sound familiar? He put one of his priests in the temple. He killed Jews. He made it against the law to practice the Jewish religion. He had pigs sacrificed in the temple. Finally, Mattathias and his sons led a revolution. And after many tough battles, they won. They went to rededicate the temple, found it was a mess according to tradition, as recorded in the Talmud, and also Josephus and also the Apocrypha. Uh, At the time of the rededication, there was very little oil to light the menorah, the candelabrum in the temple. There was only enough oil to burn for one day, yet a miracle happened. It burned for eight. And so we have this eight-day festival, which uh, was given to us. And and note that Hanukkah commemorates God's miracle of the oil, not a miracle of victory. Jews really don't glorify the war. But um, that is your review. (laughs) Let's look today, though, at what sins defile our temple, meaning the temple of the living God, which is our body, our mind, our spirit. Now, you might think of certain sins, but I'm going to give you some different sins today. They're not your normal sins. (laughs) Are you ready for not your normal sins? Okay, I'm going to call these the bad isms. (laughs) Okay, the bad isms. And so let's start with the one that I've already mentioned in my review called Hellenism. And Hellenism is really the importing a culture 
that is more important than God. You see, when things are going well, we tend to import the culture of well-being, and then we stop relying on God. So, Hellenism could look different in, in many ways. For instance, the Shabbat, the Sabbath, is a 24-hour period to worship God. And whether you, whether you worship uh, on Saturday or Sunday, the question is, do you vote, devote that 24-hour period to God? Now, in a, when you're involved in Hellenism, you're involved in things that distract you from that 24-hour period, things that you are attracted to that say, well, look, if I just go to synagogue or church, that'll be enough. But, you know, Johnny has a football game and I have to buy gifts to, you know. So Hellenism is importing something that is more important than God. We see that also with clothing. Does your clothing glorify God or is your clothing part of the culture which glorifies the culture? So in Hellenism, you've imported uh, through peer pressure or just uh, watching TV or you've imported the, the, the ideas of the, and, and look, this looks different in some girls wear clothing that's way too sexy and it, and again, it glorifies the culture and, and the girls, but not glorifies God. Some guys wear clothing that's just, not glorifying God, you know, it could be too tight or many different things, or it could be hanging down low. It could be the style. We are importing a culture that is more important than God. That's Hellenism. Our speech, uh, have we imported our speech that doesn't glorify God anymore? Do what we listen to does that glorify God? Other people's speech, what we allow to come into our brain, what we, so how we celebrate different things, even uh, what, what might be very uh, important to us, something like Hanukkah or Christmas, you know, uh, is our celebration about God giving glory to God or is it about gift giving? Is our celebration about decorating? These are things that we have embraced in the culture, and many of these have become more important than God. How about embracing various myths, like the myth of Santa Claus? Even in Christian households, I would suppose that Santa Claus is more important than God. <laughs> How about traditions of Hanukkah, like making latkes, which are potato pancakes, or, or again, giving gifts? These things, these traditions, which we've imported from the culture into our tradition of celebrating God. And so Hellenism is live and well in your hearts and in mine. And the question is, what does God want? Does he want us to be Hellenistic 
or goddess-stick. Is that a word? Can I say that? (laughs) But I think you know what I mean. Okay, now there are five isms, so we have to go to the second ism, right? And these, if you remember, are things that defile our temple, that, that bring bad stuff in. So the second one is progressivism, which is also importing. It's importing the world's knowledge or the culture's knowledge or society's knowledge over God's knowledge. You know, it's like becoming more modern. We're becoming more modern. Let me give you an example. A biblical example was Israel wanted a king like all the other nations instead of God. They were importing uh, the knowledge of who should head their their culture. Um, Scripture was not written for our time. Don't you hear that now? That the Bible was good then, but it's not the truth for today. There are many great books and ideas like Scripture. So that's an example, once again, of uh, progressivism. Um, Everyone knows that evolution is scientifically correct. That would be progressivism. Science and faith are not compatible. That's progressivism. The theory of evolution versus the creation story of the Bible— That is progressivism. Progressivism sounds progressive, but actually it takes us away from what God has intended. The third ism is relativism, and this one is a difficult one. It says that truth is defined by the culture and the time period we live in rather than truth is defined by the Bible. So a definition of relativism might be uh, the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, and historical context and are not absolute. So (laughs) relativism is saying that truth is not absolute. In fact, it isn't truth. (laughs) If you think that truth lasts forever and ever, a truth yesterday is the same as the truth tomorrow. You know, one of the first people who believed in relativism, as quoted by Plato, is the way things appear to me is in that way they exist for me. And the way things appears to you, in that way, they exist for you. So it's all relative. This means there's no foundation for truth. Now, obviously, when people disagree with those people, they, they, all, they, they change their opinion. You say, oh, no, this is my truth, and it is the truth, right? So the idea of relativism is that truth can change. And the thought is, as we get smarter, as we get more enlightened, we have a greater understanding of what the truth is. And God's truth becomes archaic. Truth yesterday, or historically, might be different from the truth today. Let's look at a few. The definition of sin changes. For instance, homosexuality. Well, it, it was not, it was a sin, yesterday, so to speak, when I grew up, 
but it's certainly not a sin today in today's society. So what is they're saying? Relativism says that that definition of sin changed. Or killing unborn babies, that changed. Or men and women, here's one, should be equal. They should have the same role. These are things that have changed from God's word. The definition of marriage and our priorities in life. All of these things, relativism allows one culture that considers highly valuable things like, uh, let's call it virginity and freedom and honesty, they can be considered irrelevant or even wrong or bad in another culture. So something is considered right or wrong, good or bad, for the society based on their own values. Now, relativism throws out the Bible. Well, look, people might still read it, but they don't see it as the authority. Hopefully, you and I see the Bible as the authority. And we are not going to allow our temple to be defiled by this relative attitude. Number four of our isms is emotionalism. And by the way, a lot of these isms are connected. (laughs) So emotionalism is allowing how we feel about something to decide whether it is right or wrong. (laughs) Oh, gosh. This is a tough one, right? Our feelings direct our speech and our actions. It's all about me. <laughs> it's self-centered behavior. It's like if I bel- if I feel something, that makes it true. Um, our behavior changes based on our feelings. Rationalization or uh, rationalizing, I'm sorry, our wrong behavior because we're in the right about something else. Uh, let's give an example. So when somebody cuts us off while we're driving, it is okay for us to similarly respond similarly to them, get in front of them and cut them off, or to curse them out. Now, these are obviously bad behaviors, but we rationalize them because of our emotions. We were hurt by them, right? So it's all right if we respond in kind, This is our emotional being. How about this one? Maybe this will hit close to home. Cheating on our taxes. But everybody does it. Oh, come on. I mean, it's only a little cheat. It's not like it's millions of dollars. It's only probably, it doesn't amount to all that much. Or how about cheating on an insurance claim? Okay, this is emotionalism because what we're saying is, look, I I really feel like I need the money and this is going to help and nobody's going to miss it if I do this. And it, it it's really okay. It, look, everybody does it. It's not a big deal. That comes out of emotionalism. Emotionalism says abortion's okay because that's the way I feel about it. So, It should be the right of the mother. That feels right to me. It just seems like the right way to do things. 
So it's based on how I feel and what it seems like. And for those of you who are very, very spiritual, (laughs) the last ism is for you. (laughs) Super spiritualism. And that is believing that God has spoken to you, which allows you to not be accountable or submitted to others or anything else. You know the person who says, well, God told me, and that ends the conversation, doesn't it? They say to you, who should I listen to? Should I listen to you or should I listen to God? And you know that is the sign that this conversation is over. (laughs) Because obviously, if they feel God has spoken to them, and you have a different opinion, your opinion isn't going to mean anything. God is not the only one speaking to us, by the way. If uh, I know in our Bible study, we've been going over Genesis, the beginning, and we see Adam and Eve, and, and it was clear that even though God was very pronounced in their life, um, someone else had a little ear for them as well. And so when Satan, or we call him Hasatan, or the serpent, uh, spoke, uh, they listened, and even though they were used to hearing God's voice, uh, they kind of mistook it. You know, it's very tricky because God does speak to us. I'm not saying he doesn't speak to us, but with super spiritualism, we discount everything else and everybody else, and in fact, we might even discount the Bible because God spoke to us, and this is what he said. Now look, as I said, it's tricky because sometimes God tells us to go against authorities. Hey, this whole understanding of Hanukkah and the Maccabees is God speaking to somebody and saying, this is enough. You cannot do this any longer. You have to revolt against the authorities. So there is a time, but we have to be sensitive to what God is saying. And so a review of the isms that defile our temple, there's Hellenism, importing a culture more important than God, progressivism, importing world's knowledge over God's wisdom, relativism, which is truth defined by the culture and its time period rather than the Bible, Emotionalism, which is allowing how we feel about something to decide what is right and wrong. And super-spiritualism, believing that God has spoken to you, which allows you to not be accountable to anybody, anything, anything else. Listen, Hanukkah is the feast of dedication. Remember, the people cleansed and dedicated their temple after regaining it. And dedication to God pushes these bad isms out of our life. Now, I'm going to talk next week about this in a more philosophical manner, and I'm going to, I'm going to mess with your mind a little next week. Uh, It's a struggle that I've been going through, and I'm going to kind of let you into my world. So, come back next week. We're going to have a really, really 
interesting discussion. Um, I hope you, in fact, email me on this because this is going to be pretty provocative. But at any rate, remember the Haggadahs are available for you. You know, we're already at the end of this um, program. So why don't you call our um, phone at 813-831-5673, either order the Haggadahs, or why don't you just give us an end-of-the-year gift to help us stay on the radio. Look, if you like this program, if you feel my teaching is worthwhile, then please call or email me at rabbi at heartofmessiah.org. So, what do I always say at the end of every time that we're together? May you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Let us close in prayer. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.